Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. It is the Bama Online Podcast. Once again, it is an edition of T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. This one on Wednesday, April the 28th, 2021. Travis Ryder joined by site publisher for BOL, Tim Watts. Tim, it's it's been a little while. We got a lot of things to cover on this Wednesday. We got some spring football to recap with you. We're looking ahead on the eve of the 2021 NFL draft. We'll get into some of that from the Alabama perspective and beyond. Maybe a little bit on Alabama's recruiting class to this point from a football perspective for the 2022 group. Josh Primo going through that NBA draft process along with Jaden Shackelford. Uh, And then we'll get into a a couple of non-sports related topics as we like to do here on TWATS and TR. Uh, I got my walk in already this morning, Tim. I got the exercise in. Are you a, uh, I wanted to ask you, are you a morning, midday or evening exercise guy? Or do you kind of fall into that mix, Tim? No. <laughs> it's part of the problem. I really, I really my D, word, none yeah. of the above. <laughs> like the SAT. B, because I don't know the answer to this. They uh, No, I mean, for me, it's really about when I feel like doing it. If I'll get up and do it when I feel like it, it's easier. Otherwise, it's an act of love. I rode the Peloton this early this morning. I had to run two errands. Um, going to try to walk a little bit. We're going on a Cade senior trip, the whole family, because we missed that European trip. But we're going to D.C., Boston, and Washington, which is a nice. ton of ton of – I walk 10 miles a day and gain three pounds a day. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll go on that. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it'd be better – if I did it in the afternoon, that for me, that's when I'm more energized and more awake. But a lot of times I procrastinate. I'm imagining a lot of people are like that. If I if I get up and do it early, um, like I did today, and some days I'll do it in the middle of the day. Sometimes I do it in the afternoon, but I'll probably go for a walk after this. The Peloton, or the effort's the one that gets me. The walk don't bother me. Yeah, I've heard good things about the Peloton. Not to do a commercial form, but uh, I've never heard anything bad about that that deal I don't I mean again I don't I mean it's it's expensive but it's one of those things it's definitely worth it especially if you're like us and work from home and uh you know I mean accessible well about it is you know a lot of times it's tedious working out but with this they've got you know they've got the instructors you know you're on a bike they've got you get a lot you get yoga you get weights I mean we Mm -hmm. there's of us so you know they'll go do yoga even the boys will do yoga they like it so you get a lot out Mm -hmm. of weightlifting and all that stuff and they push you i mean these guys i mean they're in they're in insane insane shape to write they them. shame you they shame you into now, doing a little more hell and make me want to choke them out because i'm <laughs> a bike i don't want to be riding a bike and they're sitting on it chilling talking to me but the ones that ride i mean the girls are fantastic they ride hard 
and uh, they uh, talk to you the whole friggin' time. I don't know how they do it. Like, how I, about if they could get Nick Saban to be a Nick Saban as a Peloton instructor, just uh, uh, getting after you. Get that Brooke Trout look off your face, I. Right? That'd be pretty good. Nick Saban up there getting after you on a Peloton. Pelotim. We're going to start calling Tim Watts now. Yeah. Hey, um, Tim, what we haven't done in a while since we haven't been together in a few weeks is get your thoughts on spring football at the University of Alabama. We'll start on the defensive side of the ball, and I want to start with Deontay Lawson because long and loud you talked about this guy. Came in as an early enrollee. Didn't have Christian Harris available in the 8A game. And I know you had like what you saw out of Deontay Lawson, even if you weren't really all that surprised by it. I mean, I, I still loved him, expected high expectations out of him. I was still surprised. I mean, his look alone, I mean, you automatically think C.J. Mo- or any great Alabama linebacker, really, when you see yeah. um, he's an intense guy. I really thought uh, Demoy Kennedy played well. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I, you know, we haven't really heard about. Another guy that was pretty high, similar to Lawson. But I thought both of them made nice plays. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised by Lawson. He's just a big guy. He can run. You know, if you saw the thing about it is when you watch kids, a lot of them play two sports. But, you know, you know they're going to project on one side of the ball like like Lawson is. But when you watched him on offense, he looked like an offensive player. He ran the ball. He looked like a big running back. He was fluid, he was quick, and he had all those moves. You knew when that flipped to the other side of the ball how good he was going to look. Another one I liked last year, really hadn't had as much of a chance to shine yet, was Terrence Ferguson. And Terrence is a guy I've heard rave reviews about from somebody, some people close to the uh, Alabama coaching staff. And he's another guy that if you flip over and watch his defensive tape, you you can look at him as a defensive prospect. So you know what he's going to be able to do. But, yeah, the spring game was good. I mean, it you know, it's kind of boring and – you know, I think it's more for fun, more to get your feet wet, see a lot of the guys. Um, obviously, a good look at Bryce Young, who, you know, continue to, you know, live up to that billing. Um, you, see some, you see some guys emerge, too, right, like on defense. You expect it out of Jaquincy McKinstry, the early enrollee, and not that long after the completion of spring drills, we see a 2020 signee and Ronald Williams decide to make that move to the to the transfer portal. I'm, I'm guessing that didn't surprise you all that much. No, I think he got behind. You know, when you break your, what do you break his arm? He got behind yeah. injury. And when you get behind, I mean, it's easy uh, to get mentally discouraged. And Alabama facing the uphill road playing time. You're always looking up, trying to get to the top of that, that mountain, uh, that hill. And I think Ronald fell behind. And he's, you know, he's, he's a Juco guy. He doesn't have time to sit back and wait or anything else, he has to take advantage of it. So not really surprised by it. But, you know, a couple, you know, a couple guys, you know, obviously McKinstry was really good. Um, I thought Christian Story's interception was really nice. Braswell showed some flash off the edge. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the second-year guys like Braswell and Story because one of the things we tend to do, right, is overlook guys that maybe don't play as much their first year. And then uh, you, you're hitting on them right now. These second-year guys, I guess, uh, were, I mean, were good to see. Fans are basically like moms. You know, when the first year, we love the freshmen, but when the next freshman come in, we care a little less about the sophomore. You know, that's more dad's responsibility. So I think that's sort of how the fans look at it. But, yeah, when you look at a guy, Jackson Braxton, made, Bratton made yeah. plays. Um, Braswell obviously stood out. Kennedy, again, I thought he, he showed some signs in the open field, had a really nice tackle. So we're seeing those guys on defense – and, you know, we said this back in when Alabama lost to Clemson and such deciding fact. 
uh, fashion. We that team didn't have competition. We said it over and over. You know, you didn't need certain guys. They didn't have to work hard because nobody was coming. There was no looking over my shoulder. That's no longer the case. Alabama's did just a fantastic job of putting defensive guys on the field. I mean, you saw it wasn't just Alabama fans going, we loaded. It was, you could see the social media. You could see from uh, the, the experts on TV. They all said Alabama's loaded. There's athletes everywhere at every position. So I, I, it's what me and you are used to seeing for sure. Yeah, I think you hit on it perfectly. The culture of competition, the elite competition appears to be fully returned to the program after a couple of years where that wasn't entirely the case. And Tim, there's more coming. I mean, defensively alone, Terry and Arnold still coming in. Kyrie Jackson, we learned on social media on Tuesday has graduated from junior college. Damon Payne still coming in Dallas Turner. That's just on defense, Tim. Oh yeah. Don't even forget my man, Jojo uh, Earl. On offense. Yeah. Special things too, you know, and, uh, a lot of talent coming in. It's good to see a guy Hall have a great game. I know, you know, he's struggled a little bit mentally with where he fit in, and he's the guy. You know, that's the thing with that wide receiver class. When you look at him, you had guys like Leary, who is the fastest, and you had a guy Hall is the biggest upside of all of them. He's probably the least talk about, but physically, he's a freak. I mean, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. That's another guy that if you look at his high school film, he's an excellent defensive back at that size. I mean, he'll hit you, had some picks, made some plays, wasn't just out there at safety trying to, you know, uh, you know, pick off them pancakes thrown up there. He was playing football, so he's a guy that's going to do well. I still love JoJo Earl. And I tell you, my guy Robbie Oots looked pretty good out there a few times. Yeah. He laid him that's a That's a guy that's going to relish the contact, so – I um, think he had one catch for 10 yards or whatever. But, you know, overall, you know, considering the guys sat out, I mean, you got good looks. This spring game felt good, partly because we didn't have one last year, but partly because we're getting looks at guys we haven't seen at all, really. Yeah, and I thought Oots definitely looked the part. He looks like he belongs right now, physically impressive. And as impressive as Hall's ball skills were, you know, ability to high point the ball and use that six three height. He had a stiff arm on Daniel Wright after a catch on a short crossing route that he turned into a pretty big gain that that was a grown man play by an early by an early enrollee against a guy that's been around for four or five years. Strong. I mean Daniel Wright will is a strong kid. He'll put hands on you. He'll lay the pads, he'll bring the helmet, whatever cliche you want to do. So absolutely. And that's the thing with that guy. He is long he is fast. He's got ball skills. You know, he sort of got lost. But don't forget, he was pretty much the guy that sort of got that ball rolling when Alabama started that run last year. We had, you know, again, we had Deontay, you know, Deontay's Island out there sitting by himself. <laughs> and we had guys starting to show. And a guy was one of those. I remember there was talk from some people that Alabama wasn't going to take him. That was never the case. Um, he was a guy. They loved his upside. So, you got a lot. I mean, I enjoyed watching Bryce throw a few balls so hard it got to chest before they could get their hands on it. So I think they'll adjust to that. That ball in the back of the end zone. Was that Holden? Who goes? Trayshawn Holden had that one in his hands there, yeah. I mean, dude, that was a – this guy's diving, and that thing is on you. It's like a Pedro fastball. That ball's moving. And that was off-platform, too. I mean, Bryce he was extending the play. Yeah. Bryce isn't a guy you're going to want to uh, not use your hands because that gets on your body. That thing's going to ricochet. I mean, you have trouble 
trapping that against your body. You're going to have to put those mitts on it. But I thought Holden had a pretty good game. He had a drop or so. Um, I loved your tweet. Alabama fans are – I was getting texts. I was at Cade's (laughs) – Cade had senior day, which they award. You know, we have dinner. We have a lunch. We have a doubleheader, and all the parents come out. We take pictures. A big deal. Um, a cool deal. So I was at, I didn't watch it till later. And I was getting like, these wide receivers are dropping every pass, multiple texts. And the, uh, what was the one down the sideline where Javon got stripped? Yeah. Javon Baker. Uh, I think it was a nice play by Jalen Armour Davis. Yeah. Catch punt the way they described it. I didn't know he's getting punched in the sack. That was the defense. That ain't a drop. I was like, I got home. I was like, you check. <laughs> that was great defense. That ain't a drop, but you're right. We we're used to seeing them make those catches, and they got guys that will make those catches anyways. They've still got to adjust adjust to Bryce, in my opinion. But obviously, Bryce did really well. I know some people are down on Tyson. Um, I mean, Tyson first, is Tyson is what he is, Tim. Right? Well, I mean, first, he's a, yeah, he's a pocket guy. He's actually improved. I'll, I'll argue that point. He has improved, but you know, Paul Tyson is what he is, and the, the problem is if you try to make an apples-to-apples apples comparison between him and Bryce Young, it's impossible because, first of all, the skill sets are entirely different. Although, Bryce can stand in the pocket and deliver, despite all the talk about his 5'11", 6-foot height. He yeah. can do that. The separator that Paul really can't do anything about is that when it breaks down, when you need to extend plays, when you need to make elite throws off platform – that's something Bryce Young can do, and that is why he was the nation's number one quarterback prospect two years ago. Is, is that is it as simple as that, Tim? It is. I mean, and the thing about it is, with uh, when you look at like um, with Paul, it's not there's it, he's kind of on the trajectory expect trajectory that we expected. I mean, it was always best case scenario would be similar to Mac Jones, and there's some there's some things there. The guys continue to improve. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's better than he was in high school. He's better at Hewitt than he was at Mountain Brook before he transferred. He's actually making progress, though. We knew that it would be – I mean, it's hard to compete with a guy like Bryce. That's a, that's a good football player. I still think Tyson's got to be ready, um, basically because he's on deck. I still think he'll get – because this season won't be like last season. I mean, last season we didn't see Bryce because it was an all-SEC season, and the defense early on didn't really give him a lot of chances where, hey, this game's over. And then we got to the important games, you know, so we didn't see a lot of Bryce. But this year, I think Paul's going to get a decent amount of playing time if he earns that backup job because they will be in some games where they're lay, they're laying them out pretty good. I guess the big X factor in all this is we didn't see Jalen Milrow on A-Day, and you started to hear some real promising things, I guess, Tim, about him uh, down that, the stretch of A-Day, uh, down the stretch of spring. That kid is a special kind of guy with the ball in his hands. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him as a quarterback. He's – other than he's raw, he you know he'll throw off that back foot. He'll be off balance. He's got an arm. He'll do the flick. You know that you know my my son does it from the infield. The pretty boy throw where you just like hold you, you flip your wrist and you don't finish. When he gets all that ironed out, he's definitely gonna be a better passer. But when that ball's in his hands, he makes a lot of things happen. You look at my Twitter account, see some of the videos of him just running, and mm-hmm. I'm when he pulls it down, he's gone. And he does. He's got a good arm. He's a big sized kid. Saw a picture of him on social media today. He's he's thick. He's a big, strong kid. So a lot of lot of I'm looking forward to seeing him. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot. There's chances you could see him this year, in my opinion, in certain packages. 
to me, he might be your goal line guy if you want to do something a little bit different. He mm-hmm. might be that it's almost like a wildcat with a quarterback. That's basically what you're dealing with with him potentially. Maybe some Tim Tebow as a freshman at Florida in 2006, potentially. Uh, although, Bryce, that's the beauty of him, too, is that he can give you the different things with his feet, uh, you know, as well as delivering from the pocket. Hey, Tim, uh, before we head to a break, you know, you mentioned Deontay Lawson and Lawson's Island as it was, I think, pretty much a year ago at this time. I remember doing these podcasts and Man, seems like a long time ago now. Tennessee was all the talk a year ago of college football recruiting as Jeremy Pruitt at the time had a run going on up there in Knoxville. But you look at this Alabama 2022 class, I guess, uh, six commitments at this point compared to a year ago. That seems like a lot. Yeah, I think Alabama fans are spooled rotten. They probably think I mean, last year we're going to fill up, Tim. Now the argument will become, yeah, why fill up too so many? We're not going to have room <laughs> December, you know. But I mean, last year it was, it was a complete anomaly. Uh, I always had faith the Alabama staff knew what they were doing. They had to be patient. As fans, most people aren't, aren't patient. You know, we, I don't know how many games Alabama lost on the first drive in the uh, Alabama game thread. Um, every first down, you know what I mean? Just a tendency to overreact. I think that's us as a people, but. It was, you know, we there was just Lawson sitting out there for a long time, and it was zero chance Alabama can catch Clemson. Zero chance Alabama can catch Ohio State. Oh, my gosh, we should have kept Pruitt. Look what he's doing at Tennessee. That was like 70, 80 days of that for us. So <laughs> as BOL guy workers, it was like, you know, stay calm, relax, it'll be fine. And, uh, you know, then it just clicked and went off. But, yeah, this class right now, I mean, there's nothing – I mean, there's nothing you can really say about this class you don't like. You got a big-time quarterback, five-star quarterback in Ty Simpson, beat out Clemson for him. You got Emmanuel Henderson, who's just a really good athlete. I mean, this kid, running back, safety, linebacker, wide receiver. You could do it all, you know, big-time athlete, great kid. So you got those two guys in on offense. And also you've got the Elijah Brown kid a legit receiving tight end, I think sort of in the line of Billingsley, a little bit more mm-hmm. than Oots where he's a little bit more of a receiver. So offensively, they are pound, 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 setting the tone, um, ending a lot of questions because, you know, quarterback and tight end to see, tend to be two of the biggest questions in everybody in every Alabama's class. Also, they got Jahim Oates, and if you watch this this big guy, I mean, he's, he's a big guy. He could Dancing be, bear, Tim? Is he a dancing bear? I want to see his junior film, but he's okay. dancing bear potential. Okay. Uh, big guy moves. I mean, his video, I mean, he's a monster. Like, they got a video of him on Twitter walking out with his teammates. And it's like, you know, it's like one of those big 13 year olds playing with all the little normal kids. This guy's huge, except it's <laughs> on varsity. And then, check his birth certificate, kid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was one of my favorite things of youth is people demanding to see <laughs> some kid, whether it be on our team against us or another game, demanding to see his birth certificate. Yeah, I would have loved to have been the parent of check his birth certificate kid just sitting there knowing that my kid is of legal age and about to just I'd like invoke to holy terror on your pint-sized like tight. Where they demanded it and I had to show him and my kid was 19 playing in the 12th. <laughs> drive into the games. We, yeah, We went for <laughs> You knew he was driving the team bus. <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh, uh, gosh. Head in the right direction. He had a beer with him at a sports bar maybe the yeah. previous weekend, and here he is in the 13-year-old. Yeah, that guy, that kid. 
Yeah, but this class uh, is a much better start. Um, still think they're being patient. I believe that if they wanted to, they could fill this class in the next 30 days. Like if they really? just – Yeah, if they just wanted – oh, God, the interest is outrageous. If they just wanted to fill a class with four-stars type guys, I think they could do it no problem. I mean, they're obviously going to have to wait for some of the big dogs. But I think there's definitely 20, 19 or 20 more kids that would love to be in this class. Well, and they're going to have the ability starting, I guess, June 1, right, to get back to a semblance of normalcy, pre-COVID normalcy in terms of the evaluation process. So I tell why you that, would you be in a hurry, right? Well, Alabama is so excited to have official visitors, and they've had 16 – how many months have they had to plan for these first – I want to be the first kid visiting Alabama. <laughs> I mean, you're probably oh my goodness, yeah, concrete over there uh, by Brian Denny. You're probably, yeah, it's gonna be like walking through the Wonka gates, you know, hey, for those visitors. Talk, I'll tell you, I know there's a lot of buzz with Ohio State Henry Toa Toa. Unless I'm wrong, I don't think that's the case. That could be the case because was there a crystal ball put in for Henry yeah, Toa Toa in Ohio State? Those crystal balls tend to tumble. Bill Kurelik, he's a good guy. He's hurt a little bit, but I think it's more like if he's going to enroll in Ohio State, it's got to be by Monday. So they're just rolling the dice that he's going to do it. Now, he could, but I do know from several people close to, to that situation, Alabama has led in leads, and they feel pretty confident that SEC rule gets passed. He'll come to Alabama. I mean, I know there's been a lot of regrets he did. Well, the NCAA is supposed to formalize the one-time transfer rule today. Well, the so the, the league should be following suit quickly, I would think. That well, the SEC's just been so slow with it. Other people are throwing yeah. it there. I mean, the guy they're already they've already made the assertion that some other leagues have. I think the ACC among them, maybe the Big Twelve. That yeah, it's it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen everywhere. It's just I right. I don't understand dragging your feet here, but I still think Alabama. Like I said, I could be wrong. It could be Ohio State, but every indication is Alabama still in this. And, um, you know, that's where he wanted to go, certainly, you know, as a few yeah. months or so. No doubt about it. Hey, uh, Tim, let's take a quick break here on the Bama Online Podcast, a T-Watts and TR edition of the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, we'll get into some NFL draft talk. It is the eve of the 2021 NFL draft, so we need to do that. We'll also talk Josh Primo and his potential in relation to the 2021 NBA draft, we'll get into a couple of non-sports related topics as well. And we also have the roundtable mailbag. We'll do all that more when T Watts and TR on the Bama online podcast returns right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back with more of T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Simple as a click or two. It's absolutely free to you. You can consume the podcast wherever you take in your podcast content. Bama Online Podcast, again, a subscription, a rating, and a review while you're there would be certainly appreciated as well. Tim, I know you love NFL football. You love the NFL draft. Um, 
let's uh let's make a comparison real quick. Wanted to get your thoughts on this. The NFL draft process and the evaluation process, maybe in comparison to what we do, what you've done for over 20 years now for us at BamaOnline.com so expertly, uh, the recruiting process, going from high school and evaluating kids and uh, high school players and things like that. Are, are there are there a lot of similarities, you think, between the two, or are they pretty pretty much vastly different? No, I think they are. I mean, they obviously, the NFL has a lot more. First of all, they've got a lot more, you know, resources to check these kids out. Second of all, there's a big developmental stage between 18 and 23 to decide what kind of human being you're going to be. I wasn't much of a very good guy at 17. I was a lot better (laughs) at 23. I mean, I was a 17-year-old turd, basically, you know. So you mature. I think a lot of guys have listed this, and girls will say that. You know, they're smarter. So I think they have a more mature version. I mean, we're We're dealing with kids who are literally 17-year-old and and think TikTok's the biggest thing. So at 23, TikTok won't be a bigger thing. They'll focus. Are they going to have a work ethic? So they obviously have that that range to me is pivotal, but pivotal. But that with that said, it is it's very similar. I mean, you're, it's very similar. I mean, you're going to see half of these teams whiff on their first two round picks, and it's going to be because you can't. You know, human nature is a lot of scouting. I mean, you give a guy who's super motivated to get to the top. Well, when he gets a forty million dollar contract, he's at the top. We don't we don't know if he still wants to work to get to a hundred million. We've seen Jamarcus Russell, for instance. We've seen the guys get the big paycheck and just enjoy it, you know, and just enjoy life. So there's been a dozen of those guys. You know, Ryan Leaf's another one, and then we've seen the flip side on guys like uh, you know Peyton Manning, who was at the top and stayed at the top and worked his butt off, and you know those kind of guys. And then, of course, there's a Tom Brady who's pissed. He went to the sixth round and should be and keeps that chip on his shoulder. And then he becomes the greatest of all time and marries the hottest model ever. So, you know, you just have different guys with personality-wise. But it's similar to me, um, just on a much broader scale. You know, we don't have a NFL comp. We don't have a national high school combine ran by professionals. We have combines we go to where, you know, there's coaches and everybody helping out, doing the best they can. But we don't have the same resources for so many of these guys going to the National Football League, it's so much more about learning how to be a pro, right? And do the things that are going to help you sustain a lengthy career in the National Football League. I think that's been evident with some Alabama guys uh, with just the Nick Saban era. You look at guys that, okay, well, maybe they were high picks and they didn't necessarily achieve to that level at which they were picked. But you look at a DJ Fluker guy still in the league, Tim, he, he has figured out a way as a pro to stay in the national football league. He's with the Miami dolphins. Now, uh, James Carpenter, another guy like that, another offensive lineman. Uh, did he live up to the first round status that the Seahawks placed on him back in the 2011 NFL draft? Maybe not, but you know what? He's played a decade plus in the yeah, national think- football league. When you, we look at that, we tend to look at every first round pick has to be um, right. Oh, it has pro. Be, yeah, it has to be yeah. Patrick Mahomes. That's not the case. If you play ten years in the NFL and start, you just, fulfilled that status. You yeah. earned your first round status. Most of the first round, and I do this all the time. I'll go back any random year and Wikipedia the draft and go through the draft almost in the what, and I go start at the bottom, work to the top, and find guys that were stills. I mean, you see George Kittle going in the fifth round. I mean, you see guys. 
all the time, Tom Brady, six total absolute steals, sort of to figure out how did it happen? Why did it happen? You know, and there's usually a reason. I mean, Tom Brady didn't look, didn't have particularly great film. He, had, he did not have a, you know, he's got Tim Watt's body. You know, I mean, that's, you know, all that stuff. And then, but they didn't, wasn't able to measure, you know, everything else with him, like his football IQ and, you know, how, you know, how great his footwork is and, and all that kind of stuff. George Kyle didn't have a lot of stats. So you can go back and go through this, but it's hard to be in the NFL. It's hard to make it a decade. It's hard. So if you make it a decade and you start and you're a contributor, you were first round worthy, in my opinion. Not, we're not talking number one. James went like 24, 28 or something. Definitely worth it because if you look at the last 15 drafts and find the position he was in, I'll bet you most of those guys didn't have that career drafted in that same position. Yeah, that's a great point. No doubt about it. I think this draft on Thursday night, Tim, the consensus, really it's a unanimous prevailing thought, is that it will really start with that number three overall pick with the expectation being Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one. Zach Wilson of BYU to the New York Jets at number two. And then you get to that third pick, which the Niners gave up something to get up there to make that selection. And that brings Mac Jones into the, the discussion. I'd like to get your thoughts on Mac's potential there at three. And really, I guess we could see a run of four Alabama players between three and, say, 15 overall, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, you got the dilemma. I mean, I'm a Mac fan, was a Mac fan leading into when everybody thought Bryce was guaranteed to start. I think he probably, I know he did, actually. I know he interviewed, knocked it out of the ballpark. I know he's going to be a leader. I think he's undervalued. And I think we judge Mac by the package. We're not really looking at the present inside. You know what I mean? You look at him and, you know, you see him in his bike and Bama shorts. Dude, I got news for you. If you don't have 3% body fat, fat, everybody's got a little belly in those, those pants. Are, you know, I'm talking about the picture we had his shirt off, his yeah. bed on, and the cigar. Ain't many people looking ripped in that situation. <laughs> I don't care damn who you are. You know what I mean? So um, I think a lot of people look at that and judge him. But I think the college coaches loved him. I think the NFL scouts love him. I think the NFL GMs love him. Now, NFL is tricky. Do you go for a huge upside guy? Which Matt, you know, if you look at the highest upside, Matt's probably not as high as say the, you know, the the Trey kid, the Trey Lance. I don't think that he's quite as high because he's an athlete. He's more of what we're looking for today. You know, off platform as you missed. Although I tell you, Mac is a maestro with his footwork. I tell people, yeah. I say people that that dude is a ballerina. I mean, he mm -hmm. moves around. He can tiptoe. He moves in that pocket as well. He might he's not got be feel too. He's got feel for when he needs to do it. You dude, know. That's thing is like how many times do we see the back rush and him just take that slide step up into the left and all of a sudden he's got two more seconds that's huge so he's got a feel but you know you look at the athletes you look at uh some of these guys and you have to think um that's sort of what the nfl is going for max more of an old school quarterback and i i think he's going to be successful whether he's going to be you know the you know the greatest quarterback in his class league you know that's a bigger question um, probably not as upside as some of these other guys because of their athleticism. Uh, I think his arm value is underappreciated. I think his footwork is definitely underappreciated. I, you know, and I, I talk to people and they say, look at the talent surrounding him. And I'm like, do you watch Alabama football? <laughs> it was Slade Bolden, Mechie, and Dagon, uh, you know, Smitty, who's obviously fantastic, 
but it wasn't the same as Tua had with Henry Ruggs and all those guys going along with him, Jerry Judy. I had everybody. I mean, this guy lost Waddle in the middle of the year, fourth game, I believe. Um, he did not have the talent around him that other that that other Alabama quarterbacks have, or Justin Fields had for that instance. Um, his guys were let um, were lower ranked than the guys around. Uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence, although those uh, bad, a lot of those are bad wide receiver evals, in my opinion. Alabama's guys were better, but he did a lot of good things this year. Um, he's just surrounded on a really good team. So, but I could see Mac. I really think falling to the right team is important for him. Obviously, San Francisco would be a great fit, but if he was to, you know, fall to say the Saints, I would. I think it would be a good fit for him. I think guys like that can work. You know, you get a Sean Payton or you get guys like the Steelers or the Patriots that are used to dealing. Josh McDaniels, yeah. Yeah, those kind of guys, Mac could be perfect. I think, for instance, Mac, and this is with a lot of NFL guys, and I'm getting a little long-winded about Mac, but nevertheless, Mac is a better quarterback prospect at San Francisco than he is, say, Detroit. Right, because the pieces are, the pieces are already pretty much around him. And he needs that, and most quarterbacks need that. And that's why... I'm with you in terms of Max upside, his ceiling. Yeah, I don't see it as being on the same level as a lot of these guys. I think it's actually higher than people give him credit for. I agree. With um, but in terms of being ready right now to jump into a playoff caliber type team otherwise than the quarterback position, I like Mac Jones more than I like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. I mean, he's up there with Trevor Lawrence for me in terms of if you put him on a playoff caliber team, could you still win some playoff games in his rookie season? I think I think the Niners could with Mac Jones in, in 2021. Talks about upside. What about the low side, the basement? The, I mean, the floor. Yeah, I love his floor. Mac's probably you know? got a much higher floor than the other guys. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's a weird year. I mean, you know, yeah. Will basically had one year we knew about. Fields had a year and a half, basically. Matt had a year and a third. I mean, these aren't guys like Trevor's the one that's got the full body of work, basically. So all these quarterbacks have risks. Um, you know, when we were growing up, when you and I were growing up, these quarterbacks would have went like, I mean, Dan Marino went 24-27th or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That's where Matt Jones would have went in, in, in the past. And that's where Justin Fields would have went in the past. He'd have went late first, early second with the questions he's got. Trey Lance would have been another one who would have went late first, early second, middle second. Um, Trevor would have been number one. It would have trickled down. But quarterback value, I mean, the 49ers gave up like three first-round picks. Let me see. Two first-round picks and a third-round pick along with the 12th pick in this year. So they gave up their first-round pick in the 21, 22, 23, and a third-round pick to move up from 12 to 9. So yeah. it's got to be a win. Now, I will say I think Shanahan is one of the better coaches in the NFL, and I think that, that franchise, although they all make mistakes, I think they're well-ran. So um, it's gonna, it'll, it'll be interesting. If Mac ends up the 49ers, I would say he's definitely hit, hit the lottery. You know, going number three. Going, Getting the number three overall money and being on an uh-huh. instant NFC contender. Yeah. I literally, literally a playoff. Can't get much better than that. Now there'll be pressure, obviously, that comes with that, and you know they can go through quarterbacks as we've seen pretty quickly in the National Football League. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have that third overall money, and at worst, you know you're looking at a career maybe similar to an AJ McCarron, who again we talk about guys who sustain in the league. AJ is a fifth round pick back in 2014. 
still getting those nice checks as a uh, top backup in the NFL. Literally one of the best jobs in the world. You know, yes. Board. I mean, I know AJ and other quarterbacks as competitors want to play. But there's a, you know what, for not playing, you still get to hold that clipboard. There's a lot of money there yeah. holding that. It's a lot more money than like selling insurance or running. It's a lot more fun, too. Heck, you're off, you know, <laughs> you're off eight months a year. So nothing wrong with that. John Parker Wilson did it. John McElroy did it. Uh, John McElroy. Greg McElroy did it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's guys there. To me, the bigger discussion is the wide receivers. Like, I hear a lot of talk about DBs and I went through all the DBs are supposed to be the first three rounds the other night, Monday night. If it's not Pat, I'm shocked. I mean, I don't know what in the world you could want, won't want. I mean, in high school, they threw at Tyson Campbell. They avoided Pat. Pat had a good freshman year at Bama sophomore year, got burned a few times. Alabama families remember that, but they really didn't even challenge the guy. Hey, there's a reason they're not throwing at it. I thought his junior year was great. He's quiet. He's safe. He's been a pro since day one. I mean, he was raised yeah. by a pro. I don't think there's any debate. To me, there's no debate. Now, wide receiver, if you want to discuss who's the number one wide receiver, I think you can make a case for Jamar Chase. I think you can definitely make a case for Waddle and Smitty. So that's just sort of, you know, taster's choice on that one. Yeah, that's but, your favorite flavor. Pick a flavor. Geez, it, it, it should be Pat Sertainer. There's some guys – Overthink, you know, absolutely overthinking. This is a guy that can walk in and play right away. Wide receivers are the ones I'm most interested about. I said this last year about Henry Ruggs, and I feel the same way about Waddle. I think Waddle's the most unique prospect in this draft. I said that about Ruggs. Um, that's how I thought he'd end up at number one. Now, Waddle's facing that injury. Still think there's a chance he could be number one, but maybe not. Um, but I still think Waddle brings a little bit different element to the the table than Smitty does and Chase. I mean, I'm literally, I'm, I mean, I'm rooting for Smitty. I'm really rooting nobody goes to Detroit from Alabama, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, well, and you, you almost have to, you almost, have, you do, I think, have to consider Kyle Pitts in this discussion because while he is a tight end, technically, he's got wide receiver value big time. So oh, he, he, he interacts with the guys we're talking about at wide receiver. Yeah, he's absolutely a freak. I mean, he's one of the most. I mean, what he did against Alabama was was really impressive uh, all year. Just an impressive guy. Played, you know, great football. So he definitely would be in that discussion. There's a lot of options there. I mean, you're down the board with wide receivers, and you're still talking about Terrence Marshall, Rondell Moore, and a host of other guys. So there's a ton yeah. of talent. Kadarius Toney. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just don't think I, you know, I just think value – when I look at the you know, I just don't think I'm going first round pick with the wide receiver ever. You got enough. I mean, there's he enough of them. think that you're going to see in the second where there's a Juju Schuster and there's a million guys and Connor Cups in the third. There's a million guys after the first round. I just think it's hard to hold that value. Mm-hmm. And it depends on your quarterback. I mean, Henry Ruggs in the right system with a bit with Patrick Mahomes would have been rookie of the year probably. You yeah. Know, they got the. The touches you put him with Derek Carr, you know, and he's you know he's filled in punts. So I mean, it's just you know a lot of that's on that. So if you don't have a strong arm quarterback, I would suggest you get one before you worry about your wide receivers. Tim, who's uh, among the Alabama guys? Which of them could your New Orleans Saints use the most? Yeah, all of them. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'll you be- hit on Mac earlier, is Mac? It Mac? Mac would have been a great one. I think Sean Payton could have did great things with him. Um, 
Obviously, Smitty, Waddle would be fantastic in that offense because their wide receivers is Michael Thomas, who's always disgruntled and wasn't, you know, was injured, wasn't open this much, got his butt kicked by uh, one of the DBs, apparently. And then they need another wide receiver on other time. Smitty and Waddle. Imagine, imagine what Sean Payton could do with Smitty or Waddle. Yeah. You know, with the quarterback, they're going to have a big arm quarterback with James Winston. Yeah. How about Alvin Kamara and what he, all the things he can do at running back with Jalen Waddle? Absolutely. Wide, oh my God. Sean Payton's very, if nothing else, the guy's very original. So um, <clears throat> I'll tell you another one they, that I love. I'll tell you the guys I think that might be too high in the draft. I think Barmore's too high. Me I don't too. think he checked all the boxes. It's a very bad defensive line class. Which helps him. There's I don't, too many gaps on that resume for me. Yeah, with I just Christian don't Barmore. checked all the boxes. And the one everybody's missing on, in my opinion, is Alex Leatherwood. What What else do you guys want from this kid? Yeah, I even agree. If, even if he's not, say he's not a tackle. And this happens all the time in the NFL. He's not a tackle. He's still a first-round guard. I don't care what you're talking well, about. Well, I've made the comp to James Carpenter all those years ago. You know, James Carpenter was a first-round pick as a tackle, wasn't a tackle, but he still played a decade as a damn good offensive guard in the NFL. That's to me, that's Alex Leatherwood. Wasn't Fluker a guard at one point, or am I completely? Oh, he's been a guard. Fluker has been in the NFL. Alex Leatherwood is a good player. You talking about checking the boxes? He might have had as good a college career as anybody in this draft. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he mm-hmm. won Outland. He started every – 35, 36 straight start well, at least. Start. No, it's more than that. So Alex Leatherwood to yeah, me – it's over 40, I think. Alex Leatherwood – and NFL guys will probably figure this out. He's got – to me, he's more of a first-rounder than Barmore. I mean, Barmore's highlight tape's top 10. Right. His but you just said it. You said positional value in this draft and the D-line class is not much, right? No, I agree. I didn't see a whole lot of depth there. I mean, that's one of the reasons he's up there. But, you know, I still think that quarterback and offensive lineman is how you build your uh, – your. Uh, you need highly ranked guys or really talented free agents at those positions on offense. You can get wide receivers. You can get tight ends. Look at Jimmy Graham in the third, Rob Gronkowski in the second or third, George Kyle in the fifth. I can run down the list. You can find those tight ends um, in that draft. You can find the wide receivers in the draft. We could go through all those guys. Michael Thomas ran a four four six three, all that stuff, and still went in the second round. So you can find those guys, but you really mm-hmm. backs dime a dozen. I mean, you get Alvin Kamara as a third rounder, James Conner was a third or fourth rounder. So you can find those guys, but you better have offensive linemen. And I think again, Leatherwood. There's I can't think of a box he didn't check. Yeah, you know, you know, for me and the in the Jags and my Jags, and uh, we talk about all these wide receivers in the draft, but just from the Alabama contingent perspective, the guy I like to see is Devonte uh, in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, you already got a guy uh, sort of under the radar LSU wide receiver. So many of these LSU wide receivers, uh, Odell and, uh, and, and Jarvis Landry. And, um, you know, I guess Justin Jefferson here recently has been great for the Vikings. I hear so much about, but DJ Chark has been a really good player for the Jags, and I'd love to put Devontae uh, alongside him with Trevor Lawrence, Tre- James Robinson in the backfield. That'd be a nice place to to start for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tim, we kind of hit on this just now, but give me the non-first rounder in this Alabama draft class most likely to get paid on his second contract, kind of like Eddie Jackson, Landon Collins, non-first rounders. Uh, but on that second deal, they got 
they got the big money. You know, I think it's, you know, it's probably to me, it's, if they don't go first, and I still think there's a chance there is, uh, it's got to be Leatherwood, maybe Barmore. I mean, if Barmore mm-hmm. ever clicks, and, and don't forget, he hadn't played football long in high school. I'm not beating the guy up. He did not play football that long in high school. Wasn't very serious. Blew up late in the process. Just a physical freak. Got behind at Alabama, you know, didn't did, couldn't really figure out the defense, didn't play for a while. So he's one of those guys with a huge upside. Um, so both of those are in there. Um, uh, but I, I what about be- Dylan? What about Dylan Moses? I mean, what are your what are you thinking with Dylan and this knee and the health and those things? If he can just get that where it needs to be and, and we get to really see what this guy can do physically in the next year or two. Yeah, I mean, Notre, the Notre Dame kid that went second round, remember there wasn't in Jalen Smith, hurt his knee. Yeah, in the bowl game. The bowl game. So, I mean, he came I back. I mean, catastrophic knee injury. Yeah. Right. He came, uh, he came back on his second contract, got like a $70 million deal for five or six years. So, I think Dylan has that potential because, I mean, you're not going to look at a kid and like him more. His medicals are probably going to push him down a little mm-hmm. bit. Draft, I imagine for sure it will. Um so, but yeah, he's a guy we haven't really seen completely healthy. I mean, the guy's a warrior. I mean, people, you know, took all that criticism this year, obviously played hurt, had surgery right after. Never whined, never gripe, never said quit picking on me. So he's definitely a, he's a candidate. I'd go with Leatherwood, but I still think Leatherwood might sneak in that late, that late draft. I mean, Landon's another one we didn't talk about who's definitely in the, in the contention for that late first rounder. I know I've talked to NFL guys who absolutely just love his first – you know, one thing about this team, the personality on this team between Landon and friggin' Najee, who was quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, Najee was quiet for four years. We barely heard his name. He quietly came to Alabama. He quietly, hey, is Najee coming back? He hadn't even told the coaching staff. And I look up <laughs> and some dude going to class clicked a photo of him going to class with a book bag, skipping down the sidewalk. So Najee very, you know, then all of a sudden his personality's out and he and he's and he's yeah which is what we always knew he was very intelligent. So you look at the personality on this class, Smitty's talking, you know, it's almost like at one point I thought Smitty was like cousin Eddie's daughter. A mime. Yeah. Yeah, Without a tongue, you know, he's like a horse whistles like a bird. i never really knew Smitty could talk, but you can see him coming out of it. Obviously Max is showman. Landon's a showman. Um, You're seeing a lot of that. So a lot of personality is going to be missed with this Alabama team, but I think they're all about to be rewarded fairly well for their, you know, there's going to be a lot of rewards for coming back for this year. You know, let's talk. You know, uh, let's talk some uh, draft potential from the men's basketball perspective at Alabama. Uh, Josh Primo, after a, a solid to really good freshman season for Nate Oates, he had the injury there down the stretch, but I thought it showed a lot of grit and determination to work his way back from that and become once again an integral figure on that Alabama team, Sweet 16 team, SEC championship team. Um, Do you have – what's your concern level with Primo and the NBA draft process? Do you think this is more or less a a process of discovery for him for down the road? We know he hired an NCAA certified agent, uh, which allows him still the opportunity to come back to Alabama if that's – what he so chooses. What 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 should the concern level be, in your opinion, Tim, for Alabama fans in relation to Primo and the potential for him to depart? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a legitimate concern simply because I think he's a terrific talent. And I think if you get him, like you said, 
a discovery. I think somebody could discover this kid's got a lot of talent. I'm a, I'm a little bit old school. I think most of these guys need to come back for an extra year. I think Petty, I mean, uh, with Petty leaving, that the Primo would have a chance to come back and sort of steal that role and, you know, even take a little bit of Herb's role. I think we'd like to see more of that from him. But I do think in the individual workout with, you know, you kicking him out for threes him putting it on the floor. Size. Yeah, yeah. The cup. I mean, he's a big kid, you know, and he slowly worked himself into that. Not a huge sample size because there were games. Primo just disappeared. There were games he took over. Then there was games down the stretch that we just missed him. So it was a hit or miss. But he got to the cup really easy. He'd get to the basket. He'd get in the lane very smooth. I do think another year of confidence would would, would would push his stock up even higher, a chance to show what he can do with defense. I think he's probably – I think he's likely to come back. If I had to bet, I would say he's likely to come back. Um, but I do think, you know, the draft is all about – you know, it's like going to a dance. You can fall in love with one person just got to like you, just one yeah. person. And I think Primo's, you know, got enough skill set that people could – could really be intrigued by him. Because let's be honest, I mean, it's a crapshoot down there after after six. <laughs> after 10 in the NBA draft, I mean, 11 to 42 is just, you know, you're getting all kind of a smorgasbord on what, you know, definitely going with what you prefer. Global-type prospects, too. I see where this Josh Giddy, a guard out of Australia, which may end up helping Alabama in relation to Primo coming back to school. He's an 18-year-old, but he's a top 15 projection He's from Australia. So, yeah, once you get past 10 or so, you know, these are the kind of guys that the NBA uh, knows plenty about and, you know, could factor into that that scenario, I guess. And it just depends. I mean, you can go get, you know, you get first round money, you're getting you're getting paid, Um, you know, definitely guaranteed money in the first round. That's the big thing. Yeah. Not only that, it might say, oh, he's not, you know, it just depends. A lot depends on the family situation, the guy's mental. A lot of these guys hate school, and a lot of these guys love school. You know, I told you, Damien Harris is always my example. I still think he'd be at Alabama if Nick Saban didn't make him. <laughs> I still think he would be there dating his college. Damien Harris is jealous that those that kids got yes. that COVID year for free. Damien, he wanted that free COVID year. I bet he emailed the NCAA and go, do I get this year too, or is that just for the current team? Damien, <laughs> some guys love college. Some guys hate college. Some guys literally – you know, well, you know, you see it. I haven't seen it at Alabama, but you see guys in November when they realize they're not going to the playoffs, just quit school. I'm gone. Yeah. I'm going to the pros. So you see that. Um, so a lot, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of factors of play here that could go different way. Me personally, I think he's an elite level talent, a top 15 type pick. Um, and he's seen both sides of it. He saw Kyra come back and go lottery. Um, he's seen John and her come back and they won't go in the first round, most likely. So he's seen both sides of it, but I do think he's got good advice and he's got a good counsel and he's got good people around him. And I think the Alabama staff, basketball staff are really good with players. So I think, you know, I think he'll make the best decision for him, whatever that might be. I would expect, you know, if it's just a first round bar, I think he could sneak in in the first round. Um, I do think he could, he could be more of a lottery type kid a more a, a top top 20 top 13 type guy mm-hmm. with another year under his belt i mean that's you know i just think we get more of a, a bigger taste test from him yeah if you're nate Oates, it's a bittersweet scenario but it becomes more palatable if the guy is a first rounder because then you can use that to your advantage on the recruiting trail what's to- tough is you lose a one and done who could really help you 
in his absolutely. second, maybe third year. And then he doesn't even go in the first round. You know that, what I mean? That That's the most empty of scenarios, isn't it? Yes, because, you know, Primo goes in the first round. You can string together Colin. Right. Ira, and then. Uh, exactly. You got, hey, look it you're up. A, you're a harborer we, of first we round picks now. Yeah. Alabama went without a first, and then pop, pop, pop. This is what we've done. This is what we can sell. Mm-hmm. J.D. Davidson could be a you know first yeah. round the next year. So you can string it together. But, yeah, selfishly, and not even selfishly. I mean, just straight up. If that was my son. For, I, for I, both parties, yeah. Well, to me, I, I mean, I mean, I'm not in the same – I don't know what situation the Primo family's in. But for me, it would be, hey, go ahead and finish this year. Get halfway through your degree, maybe a little more. Get out there and be seen. Get You haven't even heard the fans. Yeah, you haven't heard Coleman Coliseum filled to the rafters playing Kentucky, and you hit a three. There's a lot you missed. It's a true experience. Yeah, you missed a lot of the college experience. No fault of your own, but you missed it. It'd be great. You know, it would be it'd be great for you to enjoy it. So that'd be my stance. But you know, if we needed money, and he's a first rounder, I'd be like, all right, (laughs) time to time to punch the clock, Josh. Yeah, yeah, time to go to work. (laughs) You know, so it just depends on the situation. Uh, but I do think he's going to get a good counsel, and I do think people, you know, Nate Oates, all, all people around him and that basketball staff will be really supportive. So, Hey, let's get into the uh, roundtable mailbag, Tim, as okay. we wind down the latest edition of T. Watts and TR. I know you're always excited about the mailbag. I know I am as well. Bama man for JC asked the Bama football player pre-Nick Saban that never reached his potential. Pre-Saban, player with the talent to be a high draft pick, but for whatever reason, things didn't work out for them. You got one of those, Tim? I remember before Saban at this point, wasn't it? I'll give you one just to get us going. I'll say Lenny Patrick, running back. That's going back ways. That's actually to the Paul Bear Bryant era. And when you talk about running back recruits, and I'm an old fart, so I'm old enough to remember because Lenny came out of Walker High School up in Jasper, and at the time, some of my cousins were Walker High School students and classmates of Lenny Patrick. And they, even back then, even in the pre-recruiting coverage industry era, you know, living in Northeast Florida like I was at the time and with cousins in Jasper, Alabama, I knew who Lenny Patrick was. That's how much buzz there was around Lenny Patrick. And Lenny did some nice things at Alabama, but in relation to how he was talked about, like Bo Jackson, you know, one of those type of recruits, um, I would say I will go Lenny Patrick. Now, you know, if we want to come along a few more years beyond that, um, you know, I think there are some guys from the, uh, from the uh, from the Nick from excuse me the the Mike Shula era, you know you can look at the record books and you see DJ Hall in the top five of all the receiving Mate. numbers, Absolutely. right? He was six three, you know, put up numbers, uh, but I guess DJ off the field, you know, struggled um, as we saw down the stretch of his his time in that first year under Nick Saban. Those are the kind of guys that come to mind for me, Tim. Yeah, for me, just you know, being in recruiting the guys I covered, I always thought David Ross. Was one of the better center interior guards I saw. Big kid could run. Um, 
obviously I've told you the story. I felt a little different when I found out his dad hit the lottery. Literally, <laughs> that was not a good feeling. I mean, I was happy for him. You know, well, your first thought was I should add him five stars. If I'd well, have known I, that yeah, his dad like, hit the lottery, like, his shit, ranking might have been higher. I'm in the middle of where he needs to be. I need Billi- he- instead of the Bama bump, billionaire bump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So he had a press conference at his house, had a beautiful Spanish hacienda. Was, uh, yeah, Tony Montana style. And yeah. then I found out that they had owned Jim and Nick's. They'd hit the lottery. But David was a good kid, um, was a good player to me. I mean, you know, just a guy I think probably went to college and enjoyed it and had fun with it. So, you know, sure. I can't get any older than that. I mean, I sure I can. I mean, the, what about uh, Chris Keys? Oh, Chris. That dude was talented. And you just talk about issues, yeah. but yeah, I mean, maybe, because the thing about Chris Keys was he could play safety, he could have played linebacker. He's you know, huge. He could yeah. just remember he showed up at Alabama. The kid committed on Christmas. Yeah, uh, transferred to uh, somewhere in North Alabama from Louisiana. It was such a mess. I'll never forget that. I went up there to he see and him. Ali Sharif. I went didn't up he, there. Didn't he move in with like Ali Sharif yeah, up there? Yeah. I drove all the way up there to see. Those two. And I was in the meeting with the coach waiting for uh, to talk to Chris and Kirby Smart walks in wearing an LSU, <laughs> wearing an LSU polo, even though Nick Saban's in Miami. Me and Kirby are sort of eyeballing each other down. I'm like, what is he doing here? And he's going, what is he doing here? So, uh, uh, you know, that that was a, that was probably an awkward moment. Kirby was sort of figuring out where he was going to go. But he was there to see Chris Keyes, who had previously been committed to Alabama. Ali Sharif was committed to Auburn. So that was like a double flip to Alabama um, at the time. It was a lot of news. So, yeah, Chris was a guy. Who was the quarterback? Danny Woodson. He was a guy when I was growing up that was. Yeah, late. Danny Woodson. As and a, Barker it, took Jay Barker took over for Danny Woodson. Ninety one, I want to say. Yeah. Everybody was, you know, and he was, he was a tremendous athlete as some mm-hmm. athlete. So everybody was just sort of, sort of a man without a position. Vince Sutton was one of those quarterbacks yeah, from the that, Curry era. I remember that. Perkins into the Curry era that coming out of, I believe it was LaGrange, Georgia back in the day. He was hyped. Billy Ray, another quarterback from uh, back in that mid eighties from okay. Dunwoody, Georgia, that I recall ended up at Duke with Steve Spurrier after transferring out of Alabama. We've had a few quarterbacks. We could do. We could do it. I love it. We can do a podcast on this. Basically, you know, we could get really topical. Great question, Bama man for JC goes to Bryant in the Bama online roundtable mailbag. If you had one superpower, Tim, for one day besides reading, recruiting, uh, crystal balls, what would it be? And would you use it for good or evil? One superpower, Tim. What's he mean? If I had it? No, I'm just kidding. The right. Oh. I could predict it, then the kid would flip tomorrow. I don't think you could. I don't think you can have the foresight of predicting the future with these kids. Me, it'd be time travel. I would mm. Superman fly, time travel around, go to every country in a 24-hour window. I wanted to go to um, slowing time down, hitting all those cities. I, I mean, I can't think of anything else I would do. I wouldn't rob banks or like. <laughs> I wouldn't do anything fun. Like I'm old. I just want to sit. You know, I just want to. Uh, yeah. You know, I just want a uh, beignet in New Orleans, and then I want to fly to France and get whatever. So, time travel's pretty good. If I could just fly a flight, you know, just self flight, that would be pretty awesome. You know, I guess it would be tough if if everyone around me couldn't fly too. But be nice to just have the power, the superpower of flight. 
No, mine is I'm going alone. I don't want y'all to go. <laughs> You're missing it. Like, oh, uh, no. Okay, I, well, I, I, I feel you on that. No, I, no, I, can, I can fly solo. It's not a yeah, problem. That's that's more my style. No, no, yeah. no. You stay here. I'll be back in 24. Dad needs 24 hours of his own time. That's all. I'll yeah. Do. I just need Nick's, Nick Saban and uh, I need Nick Saban's G5 deal that he's got with Alabama. At one time, it was 25 personal hours. I'd take that. You know, just give me 25 personal hours of the G5. That would be absolutely suitable for yours truly. Hey, Tim, um, I know you're a big movie guy. And so did you watch the Oscars a couple nights back? I've never watched the Oscars. I'll see the highlights. Um, They're long and tedious, and half the movies aren't movies I really like. And so, no, I've never really watched them. You know, I'll watch, like, I've seen the highlights of whoever the guest is speaking. So you don't need to see the Oscars to validate performances of your favorite actors is what I'm saying. So without watching, without watching the Oscars, the Timmy or the, the T Watts instead of the Oscar for best actor in the business today goes to who is it, Tim? Man, there's so many good ones. Um, usually I'll hit the ones I'm, uh, Thinking about the latest, I mean, you got to go to like DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Everything they do is just fantastic. Denzel Washington, anything those three, and Keanu Reeves, anything those four guys do mm-hmm. was, uh, was fantastic. Um, so you got to like them. There's a lot of little guys like role players, and um, I really like what the dude, what's a dude from Everybody Called Saul, a better called Saul. And, uh, oh, gosh. Odin, um, is it Odin Kirk or something like that? Is that, it Dan Odenkirk, I believe? Okay. That that sounds right. Well, he's one I love. He just I, we watched a movie this weekend um, called Nobody. He's just Bob a good, Bob Odenkirk. Yes, Bob Odenkirk. He's just a good actor. I mean, he's just he just uh, he's in this movie a completely different role. He's just got a good vibe to him. I like the guy that passed away, the the Chadwick guy. He was really good. I just I can watch them even in a bad movie. So I I know they're good actors because. They can save, you know, even a bad movie. They're still the highlight of it. So, um, you know, those guys are kind of the guys I'd, I'd sort of lean to. And there's so many. I mean, I haven't even talked about any females who do a terrific job or any Korean actors who, I, you know, I love. Um, there's just so many. Uh, and there's, dude, there's so many watching options now. You can't even keep up with your cue. Eight movement. I mean, I thought it would slow down a little bit movie wise. It did. But, man, I'm telling you, there's a new series out every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Bob Odenkirk, too. You can go back to really his writing days, a lot of the writing that he has done. He was a writer for Saturday Night Live going back 30, 35 years ago. And his delivery is just outstanding. I mean, he Mm. I can see that comedian background because he's funny the way he talks, the way he acts. I mean, everything about the guy is funny. So that's not that's not very surprising. But, yeah, I like him. Um, And again, you can't I mean, if Denzel's in a movie, you watch it. If. Brad Pitt's in it. You watch it. Same for uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. So those are those are three guys you for sure want to watch. Yeah, Brian Cranston. Speaking of Breaking Brad alums, uh, I typically like just about everything he's in. I guess Daniel Day Lewis is pretty much retired at this point. Yeah, he's uh, just, he's sort of like I, I can watch him in everything. He's sort of like Jordan. You know, you fair, you 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 discuss the MVP. You forget Daniel Day Lewis because he's. I mean, his stories, I'd encourage anybody that likes movies to encourage the links method acting he goes to. We're like, my left foot where he was in the wheelchair, he had literally made people feed him. He didn't come out of character. 
I don't know how you do that and not go a little insane. I miss Philip Seymour Hoffman too, man. I, I mean, I miss him. I miss him tremendously. Dude, he could do everything. I just watched uh, my oldest dude seen it. I just watched the Long Cane Polly. <laughs> they had to do the basketball scene three or four times. My, You're the kid that played the bagpipes. They were, yeah. lo- yes, yes. They, <laughs> when he was going, you know, teardrop. Maybe, you know, he was rain dance. Yeah, they just that scene just they were like rolling, and I said. This guy, and he's also a very, very sick. What was the movie where he was the biggest jerk, where he sold out? Uh, Sin of a Woman? Fuck. Yeah, with Al Pacino. He's the biggest asshole in the history of movies. <laughs> he's perfect. He's, he's such perfect. a preppy butt. He's Lester he Bangs, almost out. famous. By the way, yeah. anybody that hasn't seen Sin of a Woman, you're That's doing yourself great. an injustice. It's Pacino at its finest, writing at its finest, the, scene, the scenario – very unique scenario. I mean, that's uh, yeah, but that's what he, you know, yeah. Philip could do that complete preppy jerk to broken down old actor, filming himself for a E Hollywood special. The big Lebowski, great Matt, oh, you know. I still love that line. You must not golf. <laughs> Remember when he pulled the bowling ball out? He dropped yeah. his money. He said, "What the hell is this?" And he said, "You must not golf." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, I think we're good, man. That wraps up the mailbag. We got some movie talk in there for you. We'll hit it right back after the draft. We'll get us in some pre-draft thoughts and what we think of where the guys went. Yeah. You know, who? Absolutely. Hey, it's going to be important who hit the lottery. It it might be better to go after later than go to Detroit or a situation you're not comfortable in. I'd love personally to see uh, Bama wide receiver with two again. I think that offense is sort of head, that think that offense is heading in the right direction for them. Uh, would love to see Najee in Miami with, mm-hmm. with I still think Najee, we don't talk about him enough. Uh, still think that guy has earned every bit of a first round pick. I mean, from all the field to work ethic to how hard he runs to the receiving aspect of it. I mean, I see him, I see him uh, mocked at 24 to the Steelers, which would be a great, a lot. Yeah. And it, sense it makes sense because the Steelers did get rid of James Conner. They're more of a mm-hmm. Najee kind of guy than that smaller CJ Spiller type speed guy. Le'Veon Bell they right. had so much success with right. and that's they, more not, yes. along the lines of Najee. Najee can help protect Ben. I mean Ben's not, you know, mm-hmm. as, he needs it. He's plus Ben can, plus Ben can check it down to him. Absolutely. You know? So that'd be a good fit for Najee. Landon Collins, I hope I mean Landon Collins. Landon Dickerson, I hope, ends up in the first round just because the guy did such so much work. Um, I've talked to NFL people who think his medicals are going to be okay. Huh. They don't think like it's, you know, he's had a few injuries and, the, you know, the NFL slapped that medical label on you pretty quickly. Yeah. But I think he has a chance to go. No matter what, I think most of these guys are, you know, the one thing about Alabama for the most part, I think most of these guys are fit to to succeed in the NFL. You know, I don't always feel that way. You have guys that go pro. And you wonder, you know, how how they're going to handle it. I think a lot of these, most of these guys at Alabama came back, you know, came back when they didn't have to come back and, and went through a lot of stuff. I think this is a special group of Alabama guys about to get drafted. I mean, very, very special. No doubt about that. Well, Tim enjoyed it. And as you said, we'll do it again next week. We'll recap the 2021 NFL draft. Look forward to that. Always appreciate you here on the podcast, Tim. Always great with us there, of course, at BamaOnline.com. And so until next time, Tim Watts, thanks again. 
There he goes, Tim Watts. I'm Travis Schreier. Keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for all things Alabama Crimson Tide. And, of course, catch us here on the Bama Online podcast as well. So long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.